Is but even more important now, <clears throat> the automotive industry is affecting a lot of people, and we're going to talk a lot about that today. Um, you know, if you're looking or driving by a new or used car dealership, you just about have to know somebody in order to get a uh, a vehicle at this point, whether it's a deal or not. And that's the reality that we're all living in. So when the the demand is high and the supply is low, that obviously is going to drive the price up, which makes it even more important for you to do your homework and due diligence. But it also opens the door for a lot of folks to unload completely heaping piles of problems onto somebody else at top dollar. And I see that all, all the time. I see it all the time, unfortunately, but as the demand comes up with market, I see it to be more and more of a plagued problem. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about what you can do about it, maybe some different ins and outs from the, I guess, the insider's point of view. Uh, I am going to talk a little bit about the stolen catalytic converter epidemic that's going on across the country. So whether you're here in Springfield area or anywhere, this is going to be applicable. If you have family members, other places, um, we have started seeing a influx of folks investing in the vehicles that they currently own and are paid off. And I cannot express the importance of that anymore. So we're going to talk about that as well. Um, But let's start out with the new and used car market because I cannot be the only one. So I do a little bit of traveling for work. You know, we've got several locations here in the Springfield Republic area. Um, We have some work that we do with some shops in the northwest Arkansas area. And not to mention just traveling in general. So as I go through, because I am in the industry, I always, you know, kind of gawk at other shops, you know, at different parts of the country, wherever I'm at. Uh, dealerships, you know, that's that's a, a big telltale as well. And when you drive by a dealership right now, it looks like a vacant parking lot for a lot of their cars. Whatever inventory they have typically will be pulled up close to the road kind of as a screen or a fence, if you will, and the rest of the parking lot behind it is empty. And I know for a fact that I've stopped and looked, and, you know, typically you have MSRP, which is the recommended price, And the goal when you're going in to negotiate to buy a vehicle is to get it as far under MSRP as possible. Now, if you're buying a specialty vehicle, you're probably not going to do that. But for most people we're talking out there right now, that's kind of their game. And that's uh, even part of their sales. A lot of times they'll offer or advertise so much off MSRP. So you feel like you're getting a deal. And everybody likes a good deal. At this point in time... If you can get inventory, it's going to be what it, it, what it costs is what it's going to cost. And you're probably going to pay significantly more than MSRP. I know of a dealership that had one pickup, and it was the only pickup in the, you know, the area like that pickup. And they were getting 15000 over MSRP for that vehicle. And I'm sure that's not the only one. And that vehicle did sell, by the way. So... Uh, I'm not anti-buy new truck or car, van, SUV, sport utility, whatever floats your boat. I definitely love new vehicles. I'll be real honest. I mean, I think they are awesome, and I do my very level best keeping up on the new that comes with them because there's always new bells and whistles. And right now is a super exciting time to get a new vehicle in the automotive industry. 
it's amazing the connectivity that you have and the control. I mean, you can start it from your cell phone. You can roll the windows up and down to make sure if it's a hot day outside that the cabin is vented. Uh, it is amazing some of the things that you can interact and do, talk, text, speak. I mean, it's really cool compared to what it was even 10 and 12 years ago. So I definitely love new vehicles. I'm not anti-new vehicle. What I am and what I want to talk about is the cost of a new vehicle is up there pretty good. And if you can afford it and swing it, more power to you. I think that's fantastic because I'm going to be there at some point in time. The vehicle that I want is going to be very capable, if you will. And a lot of times when I think or plan to move into a different vehicle, that's what's on my mind is increased capabilities. So what does that mean? Well, maybe you've got a bigger family or maybe you travel more or you travel less. Fuel prices are up. Fuel prices are down. Those are all capable items. So for me, all that is important. I want to make sure it can hold everybody. I want to make sure it can, you know, tow. That's a big thing for me. I do a lot of towing, hauling, etc. And so towing capacity, um, different creature comforts. Obviously, at one point in time, capability was air conditioning. Now, that's kind of a standard at this point. Nobody, you know, is uh, typically not going to have air conditioning by choice. But those are all things that uh, maybe two or four wheel drive that affect the capability of the vehicle. So as the vehicles become more capable, so goes the price. And I'm not begrudging by any means the cost of a new vehicle because I understand what it costs to maintain and repair it. And that's directly related to how much it costs to purchase it. But what I am talking about is if you make that investment, you had better take care of it for the long haul. So it's not uncommon at this point, and I don't say I'm definitely not a financial advisor. I'm a student for sure. But as I grow and, and get older, I pay more attention to some of the economic parts of things. And if you're going to take a loan on something like that, it's not uncommon to have a 72 or even more commonly an 84-month loan on something new because of the cost. It's getting to the point where you're almost buying a second home, if you will, if you equate it directly to uh, price and evaluation. Now, I understand the housing market is extremely inflated at the moment, um, but the automotive industry is not that far from behind it as far as cost-wise. It costs a lot to build a late-model, well-equipped vehicle. It just does, and I don't begrudge that at all. You're not buying a base model like we did in the 80s for you know, six or eight grand. It's just not the same. It's not apples to apples. But you're going to be married and committed to that investment for at least the next 72 to 48 months, barring you have the capital just to pay cash, which is awesome. If you can do that, great. I know a lot of folks that do have the capital that can do that, but they use basically their good standings and their financial decisions to typically get it at 0% financing or a very low percent. So they don't tie all their capital up. They stretch out the, the cost of it over time with very little or no interest. That's awesome too. However, you get to the point that, you know, when you stretch that out 72 months, 48 months, five years, 10 years, whatever it is, I mean, we're going to see 10 year loans here before too long on vehicles, not homes, by the way, 
um, you had better make sure that you reach payoff point and get mileage after you own that vehicle. Okay. And this is not just the used, uh, the new market. This does equate to used, and we'll talk about that here in a minute. But the technology that goes into these vehicles is not what it was through the 90s and the, you know, even 2000 to 2010. A lot of these, uh, those vehicles were more forgiving for neglect is the very straightest, uh, straight way that I can say that. They would allow you not to care for them very well and get a few hundred thousand out of them pretty dependably. Now, there are some bigger lemons in there that wouldn't. But these vehicles now that you're paying top dollar for and you're committed to for many, many months at this point, they will not tolerate it. They uh, tout the cost of ownership being uh, lower than it was. And to a certain aspect, that's correct. But to longevity, that is very counterintuitive. So if you're wanting this vehicle to last through the 48, or I'm sorry, 84 months, 72 months, whatever, whatever the case is, you have got to be proactive. Otherwise, in the midst of having that payment for so many years, you're going to have very large repair bills. Now, A1 Custom Car Care is in the automotive repair business. We fix broken cars, trucks, vans, SUVs every single day, and we take a lot of pride in that. But what we take more pride in is maintaining and being ahead of the curve and knowing the needs of the car to prevent the breakdowns, okay? I realize this is getting a little preachy, but I'm keeping it real because I see the consequences all the time. And a lot of times the explanation or the justification when you have a very large repair bill is, and, and, and it's equated to lack of maintenance or care is, well, I didn't know. And unfortunately, that is the attention getter a lot of times. And then from that point on, because it cost a commitment there, the folks don't uh, forget that. And then they take better care of their car. What we're trying to do on Saturdays is keep you ahead of that curve and make you more informed. You know, it's one thing to get a car in and get it checked and say, hey, you don't need anything right now, which happens a lot at our shops. That's not an uncommon uh, occurrence. However, we do find problems before they become problems quite often. And even if you don't take care of it or are not prepared to take care of it at that point, that's fine. Now you're educated and you're in the know. You're informed. So you don't get those uh, curveballs out of left field that you're not expecting and then have to figure out how to deal with it. Nobody enjoys getting set back on their heels at an unexpected moment and having a big cost outlay that we're not planning on. Because typically you have to rob Peter to pay Paul, and that never works out, at least for me. Maybe it does for you all out there, and if it does, that's fantastic. I hope to be there someday. But at this point in time, our focus as a company, as a team, is to say, hey, this is the condition of your car, so you know where it stands. At that point in time, then you can make the best decisions for you. Even if it gets to the point where it becomes a problem and you don't uh, get ahead of it, and eventually whatever happens, happens, you're more aware of it and you can deal with it more effectively. That's very, very important. That's not just automotive related. I realize I'm tying that thought process directly to your transportation and your freedom, which is very important. Um, but this is anything out there. If you can be in the know 
and you are not a person that just sticks their head in the sand and just, you know, sings kumbaya and think everything's going to be okay, you are going to be better prepared when something trips you up. And that's a huge, very important philosophy. I hope many, many of us adopt and, and own and have a part of it. We are up against our first break. When we come back, I'm going to talk about the used car market right after this. All right. I told you we were going to get into the nitty gritty of the market as far as used and new cars. I think we've covered the new car stuff. If you're in the market for a new car, be patient. Actually, if you're in the market for any car, be patient. A lot of times what drives that purchase is an emotional decision. Oh, I like the wheels. I like the stereo. I like the color. I like the trim. Uh, you know, I like whatever floats your boat we all have that little special thing that we're looking for but the used car market is a direct relationship to the new car market so the fact that it's hard to get a new vehicle right now drives up the cost and i think when i looked yesterday basically the the uh, average cost of a used vehicle was up over fifteen hundred dollars this year as opposed to last year and also the demand has made it to the point where it's hard to find a decent used car a lot of times the used car market is flooded with headaches that somebody else didn't want to deal with. They put some lipstick on that pig and they sent it on down the road and now it's yours. My whole point right now, and I'll give you some prime examples. I do this all the time because we see it all the time. Is you need to do your homework before you're committed to that vehicle. What does that mean? Don't buy it until you know what you got. So we've got, in the last couple of weeks, a vehicle that had been wrecked and the unibody had been twisted so bad that when I chalked it up on the alignment machine, it needed inches of adjustment versus fractions of an inch. So an alignment basically will tolerate or allow, you know, some grace, if you will, for less than an inch of adjustment, typically. Because it's counting on the structure of the vehicle to still be true. And so this vehicle had been, you know, severely wrecked. It was put on, you know, whether it was Craigslist or Marketplace or, or whatever, social media sales site. And it was sold to some folks that didn't know. They didn't weren't sure kind of what was going on with it. And then they brought it and said, hey, it needs an alignment. Well, the moment I got it up on the rack and saw the readings, it's very, very obvious that I'm not going to be able to align this car. So we made a call to the customer. I actually called him personally and said, hey, you know, we're at a point this needs to go to a body and frame shop. Then maybe I can get it aligned once they get it pulled back around. Uh, but the discussion was, hey, did I just throw my money away? That was literally verbatim what was repeated to me. I said, well, I can't honestly give you that answer, but yeah, this is going to be a bigger expense than you were expecting in order to get this car not to wear tires, not to drive crooked, and not to be a safety risk running down the road. I don't do frame and body work, so I can't tell you how much that's going to cost to get this thing right. Once they get it right, then yeah, I can probably get it back in alignment, barring they get it close enough. Um had you known that before you bought the vehicle, I guarantee they would have passed on it, and I, I would have recommended it. 
Had we done a pre-purchase inspection, I would have ran it up on the rack. I'd have said, hey, this is a no-go, even at you know what I would consider salvage prices, because there's too much damage to this vehicle. Keep looking. A lot of folks have figured out that, hey, that's worth their investment. And so they bring us multiple cars. The people that stick through the nose end up with a good dependable car and get a good deal on that car. The people that get impatient and after they bring us one or two cars that they really like, and I keep saying, hey, this is, this is not worth it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, they eventually quit and then they bring me a car after they've made the deal and then they're devastated with the condition of the vehicle that they've purchased. So don't be that person. Stick to the plan. We don't have to be the one doing the pre-purchase inspection. There's many shops out there. Make sure you have a relationship with that shop and that they're reputable and that they have skilled hands. I've done many, many shows on not every technician's created equal, not every doctor, not every attorney, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, brick mason, electrician, yada, yada, yada. Not every person is created equal just because it says automotive repair or mechanic on their building. Know who's looking at the car and know what their credentials are. When you come into one of our buildings, you see a photo and you see the credentials hanging on the wall of every part or system of the vehicle that our technicians are certified in and continue to be certified. They're not certifications out of 1982. They're certifications that are current. I just went and sat personally. I think I took seven lashes every five years in each category that you see listed on our walls. If you go into a shop that doesn't have it, that's fine. Doesn't mean they're not a bad shop or a good shop. Give some questions about it. Hey, do you normally work on this car, this platform, this style of car? You know, if it's a uh, diesel shop, I'm probably not going to take them a hybrid or an all-electric vehicle to have them look at it. If it's a specialty European shop, I'm probably not going to take them a big diesel truck. So just some little common thoughts or common sense areas there make a whole big difference of who and what you're going to get as far as a good evaluation of the car you're buying. Like I said in the beginning of the show... The folks that have these unbelievable lemons or these cars that are just a complete disaster. Now, I'm not saying I can't fix those cars because I definitely can. But the cost and evaluation is what you have to be prepared for before you get committed and that car is now yours. That's the plan here. Okay, There's a lot of times that I personally will seek out a vehicle that nobody else wants to fix. I will purchase it and I will rebuild it or I will recondition it or repower it when others wouldn't want to make that decision because I have those skill sets and I have the ability. If you are somebody that doesn't have those skill sets and you're going to depend on paying somebody else to do it, that's fine. There's a lot of people out there that do it. I mean, you look at dealerships, for for instance, their used car market, typically that's what they're doing as well. They're buying vehicles or trading for vehicles that need uh, even a significant amount of care or repair, and they're reconditioning those vehicles and putting out a good product typically in their used car market. So they're doing the same thing. Um, as that comes down, there are going to still be things that need to be repaired throughout that process. You need to be prepared and aware of it before you own the problem. Okay. Now, if you go to a fly by night dealership, uh, or a, 
and I'm going to pick on some buy here, pay here lots. You know, if that's all your option that, you know, you are in a situation that maybe your credit's not that great and you need to go to a buy here, pay here, that's okay. You're going to pay more for it. It's going to cost you. That's the name of the game. But you still have to follow these principles that we're laying out here today that you need to do your due diligence that, okay, especially if I'm going to pay a whole bunch more for the car than it's worth, I need to get the very best car that they have here on the lot if that's your only option. If that's your only option, a lot of those cars are cars that other dealers declined. And so the saturation rate of poor quality vehicles in most instances is higher. So you have to be even more picky. And maybe you don't get the flashy car or the color that you want, but you need to get the best car that they offer. Otherwise, you're going to have a uh, commitment or a debt on a vehicle that's a complete disaster and it won't make it past payoff. If you've noticed nothing in the theme of many of our shows is that's really where you start to recoup your investment is caring for the vehicle through the note duration and being able to still have a good vehicle after it's paid off. So I'll give you a personal prime example right now that within the last 30 to 60 days, um, we had a service truck that I drove. I've talked about it many times. It was a F-250. It was a gasoline engine. Did a great job. I think uh, four or five years maybe. Uh, put a, roughly 100,000, 150,000, something like that on it. It had a little over 300,000 miles on it. And it was at the point that as far as capability-wise, I needed some more real estate inside the cab and in the toolbox area in order to do some of the new things that the industry is demanding. So, uh, obviously, diagnostics has always been a big deal. Mobile fl uh, flashing and programming is something that's being uh, more of a demand for us. So we made a decision that we were going to step up and, and do that. So we did. We went into a 2012 Chevy, six-liter gas engine. Things been fantastic. But we had a truck that was still very, very capable. I put hundreds of thousands of miles on this thing, and it had been a rock star. So we listed it. It had been meticulously cared for. It had been very dependable. And the first person that came and looked at it gave us very close to asking price and bought it. Now, most people uh, don't have that luck selling a car because their car needs a lot of love. This one had been very well taken care of, so we got the return on all that care back as that truck was sold, and it sold very quickly and easily. That's really what you're after as a uh, consumer at this point, is getting that kind of care or vehicle and paying, and, and still got a good deal on it as far as I'm concerned. I, I wouldn't have batted an eye and have done many times to put a few hundred miles on that truck in a day without fail, to drive several hours away from Springfield here and get home same day without fail. That's what you're after is peace of mind with a vehicle and having the confidence in it. So what we need to make sure that we're not doing is making that emotional decision and buying somebody else's lemon. Because that's what happens in these markets where everybody's got the stimulus money or tax return money or Bitcoin money where they hit it big on the crypto and they're deciding to hopefully pull it out and buy a vehicle. If you can do that, awesome. Just make sure it's a good one. Make sure that hard-earned investment money that you worked for or whatever the windfall was, that you put it into something good. 
I don't recommend going out and buying the latest and greatest TV or, you know, new gaming system. Maybe that's what floats your boat. Maybe that's what you do. But hopefully you've got good transportation to do so. You know, you don't want to be in that situation where you got the new TV in the back and you're broke down on the side of the road. Nobody likes to do that. So one of the things that I've noticed with the markets being so hot is where people normally would trade in or private party sell their used vehicle. They are deciding or sometimes as a necessity that when they come into a larger repair that they have to fix it. Now, if you've taken good care of the vehicle, I strongly recommend that, even at a large repair. And I don't have a ton of time to get into the repower discussion, but we are going to talk about that today. It is a situation that, um, you know, if you're in the aviation industry, you're going to understand that it's not a big deal to fly a 1970 model something-something plane because it's been meticulously maintained, and that's part of the aviation industry. And it has been repowered or taken care of. So, yes, maybe the fuselage of the vehicle is, you know, 20 years old, 30 years old, 40 years old. But the guts or the heart of it have been taken care of and replaced sometimes several times. And it's still a good operating mechanical piece of equipment. So we're going to take a break at the bottom of the hour here. When I come back, I'm going to discuss some of the pros and cons and some of the thought process of repowering what you already own. We'll be right back in a moment. All right, welcome back. You've got Dustin Atwood here in the studio. So what happens when you get something major going on, or going wrong rather, with a vehicle that you've got, older vehicle, Typically, the situation is it's 15 years old, it's got 150,000, 200,000 miles on it, and something big happens. Well, a lot of times people just get rid of it. Maybe they park it behind the barn or the garage, and they go out and get a new one. Maybe they sell it for cheap on Craigslist. or Actually, Craigslist is pretty much about gone, I think. Marketplace is what I should say. Um, And they go get something new. It's kind of a throwaway mentality, if you will. Now, as the price of the vehicles go up, that goes down. Um, You saw it in the early days when TVs were very expensive and they broke. There were TV repair shops. And I'm sure there still are some around here, but they're very uh, much less common. As the price of TVs went down, it's not uh, cost effective to get them repaired. And you throw them away and you get a new one. I'm sure I'm not the only one that does that. With the automobile, it's kind of on a different swing. Now, back in the day, and I'm talking like back in the Model A days, you fixed that thing. It came with a toolkit. When it broke down, you did your repairs and you kept going. And then as we got into the 80s and 90s, it got to the point where it was pretty reasonable to buy a vehicle. And when something crapped out, they almost were made disposable. And there still are certain makes and models of disposable vehicles now that they're not worth doing a repower to. And so you discard them and you throw them in the trash and you get a new one. Well, what we're talking about right now is they're not cheap anymore. So when you have a major failure, now it could be an engine or transmission, could be rear differential transfer case. Those are all main drive components. 
and you are going to, there's some value there or some worth even in a broken condition or in the market to where you can't replace the vehicle, you have to do a repower. And so we've had several in the shop. Um, I've talked many, many times. We are a Jasper distributor. And what does that mean is that we have a remanufacturer that we work with that gives a three-year, 100,000-mile warranty on their drivetrain components. So if we put an engine, transmission, transfer case, rear differential that is through Jasper, it's basically covered, and it's under warranty nationwide. So if you're out, God forbid, in Colorado and you have a major failure of that component, Jasper will step up and take care of it. It's a great, great program. I personally have bought several Jaspers and put in my personal vehicles over the years. I have had problems, honestly, and had warranty claims on them, and they stepped up and took care of it, no questions asked. That's very, very important. There are a lot of folks out there slinging subpar stuff, and you want to make sure that you're not a patron of theirs. So that's why we choose, because we live, eat, and breathe the automotive industry when we have to repower one. And and I won't say that it's always Jasper. Sometimes we will go to the dealer level, get a dealer uh, unit, a target engine is what they were called back in the day. Um, and that's a good option, too. We've put in you know that over the years as we've gone through it. That will breathe life back into your investment, basically. Barring you have given it an adequate, I won't even say top shelf, adequate maintenance and care on the rest of the components. So typically, uh, for instance, Jason and I, he's our head tech at our Fort Street location, rock star dude, uh, definitely top shelf technician. Very, very thankful to have him as part of our crew that <laughs> when I need some help and assistance, I have that phone a friend option. And I hope he feels that same way with me that when he gets into a situation that he's got that backup as well. So uh, Jason had diagnosed a bad transmission. It was in probably a maybe early 2000s GM product, and we've installed a Jasper replacement transmission in it. Uh, I love putting their stuff in because the fit and finish high quality they do a great job i've actually been to jasper's manufacturing plant and i looked at what they do and they don't just reassemble the same old problems i've talked for many years at this point here on the show that when there is a designed or engineered flaw a lot of times you all end up with the consequences of that me included a lot of times i'm figuring out what to do with it in order to solve that engineered problem that you purchased from the factory. As that happens, and the reason that I push or lean on Jasper so hard is they see those problems because they're a high-volume remanufacturer, and they they do a problem-solving re-engineer solution on it. So, for instance, if we have a oiling problem on my Hemi Dodge engines, they give it a higher capacity and volume oil pump and a different galley in order to get oil to that particular area that if they idle for very long it chews up the camshaft so that's a known problem that's happened with our dodge folks for years and years and years jasper said hey we're getting a lot of these core engines here is the consistent flaw let's fix that so when i purchase a replacement one i don't have the same problem okay I don't want to sell you problems, and not that we're in the sales business, but when you buy something from us and we have a trusted relationship on this manufacturer, I am the one holding the bag standing behind it once something happens. 
I don't have time for that. We do have things happen. We deal with it. We learn from it. We move on and we solve that problem. So hopefully it's not a reoccurring problem for you or I. Okay. So again, listen to that. Things happen. It's how you deal with those things when they happen that really tells you whether you're cutting the mustard or not. So as I went up to Jasper, I toured their facilities. They have different pods, they're called, and they track every one that is assembled and in which pod that it came out of. So if they have a process or a procedure that starts to show up in the warranty claim area, they can track it back and hold people accountable. I know that's a rare thing in today's day and age that people are actually held accountable. But in this instance, it matters very much to me and it matters very much to you as well. God forbid you have to be in a situation you don't want to be purchasing a old problem and making it new again. Uh, my Ford folks out there, they have had tremendous issues with variable valve timing and oiling problems on some of their Triton engines. We have the ability to order it and program it without variable valve timing, which is a huge Achilles heel. Once you upgrade or update that system, that Ford truck turns into a very reliable, for many hundreds of thousands of miles after we fix the problem that was engineered by Ford. My General Motors folks, it's amazing. The displacement on demand, as far as the CAFE standards, which is your California Air and Resource Board, something like that. Basically, to meet the fuel economy standards that the government has put out there, they did what's called displacement on demand. Now, if you own one of those vehicles and it's a six-cylinder under light load and light throttle, it'll go into a four-cylinder mode. If it's a V8, it'll do six and four cylinders. Well, the pumping action that doesn't have combustion creates a lot of issues on those engines, and they have not refined a solution for that so they consume oil they chew up camshafts and lifters and cause problems because of what they have done to that engine and all that gains you is roughly a mile to the gallon difference it really is disappointing to me honestly because when i have to bid one of these they're thousands of dollars for a problem that was not taken care of from the manufacturer so what do we do we put a better solution in there when we repower those and we get rid of that and put it like it's supposed to be and make that vehicle run better longer than it initially was even from the manufacturer. And a side note here, because of the chip shortage, part of one of the biggest problems with GM's platform in acquiring chips is the displacement on demand function. So I've gotten wind, it's unconfirmed at this point, that they're going to be selling some vehicles from the factory without DOD. And those are going to be really good trucks to get, by the way. Uh, it's probably not going to last forever when the silicon shortage, uh, you know, straightens out or hopefully supply finally meets demand. They'll go back to displacement on demand vehicles. I'm 100% sure of it. They're very committed to it. Hopefully they improve it and solve a lot of those problems. But this narrow window in order, if you can find a truck, that is not displacement on demand, I would strongly urge you to buy that truck over one that has it. If you've got one, then we need to talk to you at the shop and see if there's not something we can do to prevent some problems. If the problems are already occurring, we have a solution to take care of it to get you out from under that and make it a more dependable vehicle than it was. So 
We got one more segment coming up, but we do need to step into a break. We'll be right back after this. All right, we've got just a little bit of time left here, and there's a couple, I guess, uh, public service announcements I need to talk about. Uh, I'm probably not going to deviate too far from the repower thing. I think that's super important. We can revive what you already own and have paid taxes on, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Anybody that's bought a new vehicle lately, how was the? How'd you feel after you went into the DMV and had to pay taxes? I guarantee you weren't excited about that. Maybe you are. Maybe you're the the... the the rarity, but every time I've got to go, even on a lower dollar vehicle and pay taxes, it just like really, that's not cool. And I'm not against taxes. I know we need roads, et cetera, et cetera. What I'm against is giving my money to somebody and then them uh, misappropriating funds. Is that the right word? I digress. My PSA announcement is thieves, honestly. And that's a huge, huge problem right now. And it reaches everybody out there. While I was getting up this morning, getting ready, obviously automotive-related stuff, uh, my phone knows that I search it all the time. I watch videos, read articles, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I believe it was out in California. Broad daylight, the neighbors came outside. They fired up their cell phone. They got the video out. And there was two, I mean, scumbags with a jack, had jacked up this Prius, and they were stealing the catalytic converter out from under it. These guys were, they had like face masks, ski masks kind of things on, had this weird thing on his head. Uh, there were two guys, like getaway driver and then the guy doing the crime. Um, and they wouldn't give up on it. It was really unbelievable. They like, you know, their jack ended up, they were trying to take it and they abandoned their jack, which has happened here in Springfield, by the way. Uh, there's been a few folks come in that have uh, acquired new carjacks because they scared the perpetrators off. Um, it's Unfortunately, they've got it down to a science where maybe they can be there less than a few minutes. Uh, we see a lot of the damage at the shops. We're doing a lot of the repairs, trying to get people's vehicles put back together as costly as possible. One of the benefits as far as uh, the way we're able to do that is we can fabricate and build new exhaust systems depending on what the car is and how it's constructed and how bad and how they damage the system. What a lot of shops have to do is they just have to order new parts because they don't have the ability to weld areas or fabricate the O2 sensor, bung, uh, and pipe work that is typically damaged due to the thieves. We have the ability to do that. A lot of shops and dealerships send us the work in order to do that because we can do it in a more cost-effective manner instead of ordering the entire exhaust system. Some exhaust systems are thousands of dollars. They, they really are. So we work real hard trying to do our very level best to make a good high-quality repair as, as inexpensively as possible. I've said this many, many times. I love fixing broken cars. I really do. I do not get a lot of thrill out of taking somebody's money off of a vandalism, which is what that is. So this news story is out there. You can Google it. There's a whole bunch of them out there, the videos, etc. <clears throat> it's worth watching. The neighbors came outside. They approached them, and I, I'm not advocating that. They say in the article that you need to call the cops. I get it. These folks would have been gone. Um, but you do need to do the very level best. If you can get photos of them, if you can get their plate number, I don't want to put you in harm's way by any means. Holler at them. 
yell, scream, whatever you got to do to get them to stop stealing the catalytic converters. They had actually done a few cars. Uh, the, the neighbor that was parked, they were parked on the street. There were a line of cars. They had gotten successfully the car next to it, and they were hitting this Prius. And you could tell that they were probably, uh, I don't want to say on drugs, just pretty clearly, that they really didn't have the cognitive realization that, hey, they were getting busted in the beginning. So they continued doing it. They continued on video. Um, Even when they were busted, uh, they tried to get their equipment or their tools of the trade, if you will. And finally, they ended up getting in the van. Now, at one point in time, they did get a blowtorch out and approach or try and scare off the person doing the videoing. So they were hostile as well. So you need to be careful of it, but you need to park your car in an area if possible. If you have a garage, put it in the garage. Clear out all your crap that you've got piled up for days that you probably haven't looked at in 10 years and make room for the car if you have that luxury. If not, if you've got a motion light and it hasn't worked in 10 years, please get it to work. Check on your vehicle from time to time. If you have dogs and they start barking, you need to get up and check it. Otherwise, those thieves are going to approach your car. Um, If you have specific vehicles, you can look at, you can Google it online, but if you've got a Prius, you really need to be careful of that one. If you've got any kind of Honda product, especially SUV that's easy for them to shimmy under, you need to be careful of that. If you have some Toyotas, same deal. Um, you've got high, uh, profile trucks for my three quarter ton and one ton truck owners out there. My diesel owners out there, late model that have particulate filters on them. You need to be careful of that stuff. Uh, some of you may be thinking, oh, you know, they're calling me out and the thieves listen to this radio show and I'm giving them targets. They already know the targets. You as the consumer or the operator of the vehicle are the ones that need to know the targets. If you are going to a mall, a church, a, uh, you know, whatever high capacity. I know there's no concerts right now, but if you're going to be in a parking lot that has a lot of cars, you need to be careful of where you park. If it's an inconspicuous area that you're parking in or there's not a lot of foot traffic and you're way in the back corner, you leave the vehicle for a few days, whatever, uh, don't do that because you're going to be targeted. They are looking for certain vehicles, and they're seeking them out. You need to be prepared for that. Uh, I had an instance recently. A young lady was selling a Honda SUV. She had it listed, and she told me, she said, I'm sure somebody that came and looked at this, there were two gentlemen, are the ones that came back and stole my catalytic converter. That really is just absolutely burns me down inside as far as anger that people will work that hard being a dirtbag and not go out and get a job when so many people need in uh, you know need a, need work they need workers etc cetera, etc cetera. but unfortunately the most of the time I'm going to make a stereotype here the addicted are the ones out there doing this and vandalizing the good hard workings property so be proactive on that stuff there are products out there that are a deterrent Um, I've installed some of them. I'm not uberly impressed with what it is they are. Um, If you're a motivated thief, you're going to get around that system. Um, If you need or have a vehicle that's been hit multiple times, 
you need to come in and say, hey, what can you guys do? And there are some fabrication stuff that we can add to some of the piping to the easy cut areas that I would recommend. It'll cost you a little bit. It's not out of the world. It's not like a stolen catalytic replacement cost. But I've got to be able to buy some materials to bolster that up and make it more difficult. Because a thief that's a dirtbag like that, they're not going to want to work hard to steal that. If there's a lot of problems in the theft process, and I have seen it to where they've done a, a bad job and they've cut into an oxygen sensor or something deterred them um, where it broke the blade or they weren't able to get a clean theft, we're able to repair those cuts most of the time for just a few dollars. It's not near an equivalent of a catalytic converter replacement. And what happens when they run into headwinds or struggles and they're, they're a crappy thief is they go on to an easier target. And I hate it for the easier target. I really, really do. But if you're an informed and proactive person and you're preventing an easy target, uh, you're reaping the benefits from that. You are preventing those struggles and making it harder for them to steal them. Um, you can look online. Just be informed on this deal. Be as proactive as possible. Again, my strongest recommendation is if you can get it into a garage, do it. Um, I guarantee if you can get it behind a locked fence, that's going to help. Unfortunately, some of them will cut the fence. I've seen that too. I've seen in the uh, downtown areas of big urban uh, settings that they have fences around their vehicles just big enough to park them in. I mean, it's just amazing the lengths that people will go to steal other people's property. It never used to be like that. I mean, it really didn't. Um, I'm, I'm upset that it's so easy to sell the stolen property at this point, but they're cracking down on that as well. So you need to be proactive on this. Hopefully you're in a situation that you're you're not dealing with this, but if you are, um, you know, we can do some things to help when this happens at hopefully a less uh, a lower cost than having to replace the entire exhaust system. So be proactive, be aware of your surroundings for you and your car where they're at. Have a safe and wonderful week. If there's anything we can do to answer any questions, please call one of our locations and they'll get you hooked up. We'll talk to you next week.